Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 35 presented by Five Pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We have the Wiseman Twins here and Adam Weber. Uh, we did have a special guest lined up. Unfortunately, it fell through. He couldn't make it this week, so hopefully we'll get him in on uh, podcast 105. I do think he uh, said he was going to make it. So <laughs> might be a while before you hear him. We'll keep you in uh, suspense and we won't release his name. So... We've decided that the four of us will get together and we'll go through questions from the audience and questions that we are asked kind of on the sidelines, maybe not through Facebook or by people we run into at these smaller tournaments and stuff like that. They ask us a few questions and we'll answer them. So our first question is from Chris Hislop. With the posts about the coaches' clinics coming up for the Autumn Open and TPC, why aren't more competitive bowlers coaching full-time in the YBC levels? Uh, please include your own reasons for coaching or not coaching, both both past and present. Adam? Well, uh, well, I, I definitely did coach uh, right out of YBC. Uh, I gave it a, you know, about 10 years or so uh, near the end of YBC and into uh, the adult ranks. Uh, then quite honestly, life kind of got in, in the way. Um, uh, ended up uh, uh, and ditching masters uh, for for the first little while for that exact same reason. Uh, my my stigma against the masters was well, why aren't these players you know also coaching? They're supposed to leave you know the best players out there. Uh, why aren't they coaching Wednesday on the the, the Saturday mornings for the YBC? Um, and uh, then then I finally started realizing that uh, the the time commitments away from bowling and with kids and with school and with Jaw, absolutely everything on top of it. Uh, they couldn't dedicate enough time to to go down there every week, uh, and, and basically only put half the time in with these kids that want them full time. And uh, also, most of those uh, kids wanted them to to go to you know provincials and nationals, and uh, a lot of those uh, those bowlers just couldn't you know submit that much time to it. Yeah, uh, kind of, kind of a similar sort of um, thought process on that over here. Uh, I started coaching when I was like 16 and 17. When we were in seniors, we were coaching juniors and bantams, and um, I, I think I coached until I was like 22, 23, and then took some time off, and I've been coaching the last couple of years. Um, it's just, it, it is, it's, it's a lot of time commitment when with everything else that we're already involved in um there's just so many hours in a day and uh a lot of it is committed to bowling already in so many different areas already but uh i have started coaching again sunday nights with uh with the seniors and the juniors and uh i've really enjoyed doing it absolutely but it definitely took um a lot of effort to actually push myself to get there because when you when you're working in a bowling alley and and you're there you know 50 60 hours a week as it is plus you added bowling plus you know a couple of different boards and then a podcast once a week um it's it's hard to push yourself to be in a bowling alley for extra time periods um but we moved our ybc back to sunday nights just before our, our match play league um that tim and i are in 
Um, so that definitely makes it a little bit easier to get to, but it's been certainly really enjoyable. I, I really like working with those kids and uh, we're seeing a lot of them join a lot of the adult ranks. And I, I think um, part of that is because we could, we could sit there and we could talk with them on a weekly basis about, you know, the positives of it and, and what they can get out of it. So um, it's nice that we're there to give them like a, a constant feedback, but uh, yeah. Um, basically, yeah, just uh, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be back. It's just a lot to commit with everything else that we've committed to already. So I guess it's my time to talk. Um, well, I think a lot of people have a lot of, like you said, time schedules, busy. Um, I, I, I'm a strong believer in whether I had a hard time with Adam or what Adam said, because I agree with him on that aspect where I think, you know, master bowler should be given back to some sort of degree, right? Cause that's part of your, you know, your community sport or your competitive coaching course, I think, but I, I don't, over the years, I've come to realize that I think it doesn't matter what, where it comes from, uh, giving back to the sport, if you are a master or just in bowling in general or high level, uh, like for example, Kerry doesn't have, doesn't really have a local center. He can go and coach. But he can go to, but he can put his time into the the five pin universe, or he can put his time into the WCBT, and I still think that's still valuable for the most part. Um, I personally, I've, I, I've said it. The reason why I don't coach is well, it's silly as it sounds. One, I mean, I'm just when I half half the time I'm kidding, uh, but I really do struggle with confidence with coaching. I just don't think I'm that good when it comes to that, and. It stems back from when I was about 19. I had a, a really negative experience with one of the parents. And that parent kind of ripped me apart. And uh, I was just filling in a spot. We, we didn't have enough coaches for four steps. And it really resonated to me that, you know what, I'm, I've done politics before in bowling. And I just didn't think maybe the coaching aspect was something I wanted to follow through with. Um, now, that being said, I still you know, help out with my YBC program immensely. I still am around the center a lot. I, I decided to give back in the form of maybe helping with YBC programming um, an administrative level maybe and and you know, helping out with your five pin association or whatnot. But I, that's why I guess I'm, I'm not really upset with a lot of my volunteers because it's a volunteer sport, right? And I think that if you are going to give back to something, um, you know, you shouldn't give a hard time to a volunteer who's putting their volunteer time in when you don't have to. And I guess I learned something positive from a negative, but I, I will never go back to coaching. I will never, maybe, maybe I have my, again, my computer, um, sorry, my competitive sport, uh, maybe to do the open because I think I can maybe do something with the open. It's a little bit easier dealing with them, but I will never coach another youth thing unless a kid comes in on a, you know, like a Thursday afternoon looking for some help. I'm willing to give him the bare bones of things, but I won't ever, ever coach probably because of that. Yeah, I'm going to probably expand a little bit on what you're saying, Tim. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so I coached till I was 24 in my local center. Um, but after that, the YBC program had folded due to a lot of reasons that we don't have to get into. And so for me to go coach, it's quite the drive to go coach a youth program especially most of them are right after school and I work till a certain hour and for me to take time off work to go coach in a totally different community is just not I don't know, cash savvy I would guess 
as a lot of parents probably know, cash is tight for a lot of people. So to ask a volunteer to take time off work to go coach their kids is pretty big ask. Um, with that all being said, the hardest part about coaching youth is the parents. You have a lot of parents that think they know better, um, that don't treat volunteer coaching very well. Uh, you see it across every sport, it's not just bowling. I'm probably gonna ruffle some feathers here, but it, it is big in bowling. Um, parents tell their kids to do something that the coach isn't really, uh, I guess, advising or something like that. It doesn't help the coach being involved with your child if the child's not going to listen. So obviously the coach probably could take different efforts to help, but uh, if the parents aren't behind them, it's not, it's not going to work. And I feel for the coaches that are out there dealing with these children every, every week, trying to help out, donating their time, and maybe it may not be what the parent is looking for in coaching for their child, but you still got to remember it's a volunteer. And if you don't like it, maybe you can discuss it with that coach. You can do something like that. But uh, not everybody's going to have time to just donate time to babysit a child out on the bowling lanes. And that's my viewpoint. And you can take how it is. I know lots of people feel differently, but that's just the experience I've had out there. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of hard when, uh, you know, you go, you go play hockey, you go play soccer. I mean, they get out on the field. The kids really can't communicate with the the athletes, um, especially in hockey. You have boards up, and like, there's not much you can really do. But bowling is a very like um, intimate sort of sport where uh, you you could take two steps up and talk to your parents and give them a hug, or they can start giving you advice and whatnot. And um, there's uh, there's no real separation, um, and that that definitely creates quite the challenge. Yeah. And for parents that do find themselves um, maybe in a, a YBC program where there isn't a lot of coaches and you're there anyways, it's not too tough of a step to get your own coaching and learn the basics and help out and maybe give those coaches that do have the experience to coach the higher end of the, the spectrum and you can help out and direct the littler ones into getting into that higher spectrum of bowling. There's lots of things that the, the parents can do to help as well. I know there is a lot of coaching parents out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, I came from that exact family, went through my YBC. My, my mom was a coach. So I totally get that. Don't take it the wrong way. But we all got to take it in stride. Everybody's volunteers. Um, if the master's program was very specific, a coach had to be involved in the YBC program in order to play master's, we wouldn't have a master's. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know, there's always, I always see those comments all the time. Um, there's just way too many logistics with it that just don't allow for that. I mean, when we have, uh, it's gotta be close to 200 masters across Alberta. Um, very limited number of centers, uh, less and less YBC kids every single year. Um, some of these masters are in remote locations where there isn't a center to coach at. Um, to put those requirements onto those people is really difficult, um, especially when you still need to try to keep your own organization afloat. That the membership alone is is a huge part 
of being in, in those organizations and, and keeping those organizations organizations afloat. So if you tell them they can't unless they coach, who who knows who knows how long that organization organization sticks around, right? right. So um, it, it's it's unfortunate. I'd love to see more people get involved. But again, if you're if you're helping out in other ways, the biggest thing is we need ambassadors for the game and and, and build the game in all avenues, and that doesn't mean just coaching. Um, so thank you to everybody that does do something. That, that's that's really it, it. All helps. So so please keep in mind, uh, in Alberta, the, our masters when you become a master bowler or master, we works with a community sport or competitive coaching. You have to, in order to bowl masters, you have to take one of the courses, which is community sport. Other provinces, you don't have to. Alberta is the only one that does. So, I feel like I think Ontario does too. No, Ontario doesn't. You sure? Yeah, trust me. I think uh, Mitch mentioned that to me. Sorry. Anyway, so, but I think, uh, so some of you guys out there wondering what we're talking about. This is Alberta. This is a situation for us at least. Or Chris Highslop would, would, would understand. Highslop. Highslop. Chris, thank you for the question. Hopefully we answered it. Um, we kind of gave you four different opinions on it. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, sorry. And, and Chris, we do love your every second week coaching. We understand work gets in the way. So that's why we enjoy you as a volunteer at Sherwood Bowl. <laughs> nice self Time's precious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For when uh, we did make the move up to to Edmonton uh, about seven eight years ago, we uh, we did get Braxton into uh, the Sherwood Bowl program and uh, was able to to coach for a few years down there. And then got to a point where I don't think I was necessarily helping him as a coach. So then I, I wanted to be a parent and I, I wanted to watch my son in that particular moment. And then, you know, interact with the, the coaches if they had a question in that factor too. But, uh, and I know there's a lot of parents that just, they, they don't want to be the volunteer coach for that exact reason. They, they want to watch their child play, right? And, and not be six lanes over and having to, to, to not focus on, on the task at hand and, and really watch your kids. So, um, Unfortunately, last couple of years uh, with uh, Braxton's soccer schedule, uh, we, we haven't been able to, to even get him down into YBC or, you know, I, I'm sure I'd be, you know, down there in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's lots of juggling and we know everybody has it. And um, so for that reason, those parents that are always wondering why those pro players or those competitive players aren't coaching, maybe they have stuff going on that you're not aware of and they're trying to juggle stuff too. Maybe they do want to, they just don't have the opportunity. Um, so always keep that in mind. Uh, don't judge book by, by its cover, I guess you could say. Um, so we'll just jump in. Um, some requests we've had from audience that we've ran into um, the last couple of weeks. They wanted to know what our answers to the special guest questions would be. So we'll go around the horn on each question. Uh, we'll start with Adam with uh, Bowling Mentor. I uh, have definitely had quite a few, um, more more in the Calgary region than anything, but uh, obviously always looked up to, to, to Bruce, Gino, Greg Gigliak, all, all that crew, uh, but always had a, a couple really important mentors in, in the Calgary region. Uh, Rick Heinrich uh, was uh, my, you know, Bantam junior coach. Uh, I still remember a lot of things that, that he taught us way back then, um, you know, uh, to... to 
you know, Joe Wood and Colin Keir and Dave Sanderson and uh, Brian Rossetti. Um, all, all these uh, the, these guys have been so instrumental in, in my game. Um, as for, for like an idol, though, it, it, it has to be Bruce. Uh, I've been chasing him since uh, since the first real competitive ball that I, I, I've thrown. Uh, I've seen his name all around, uh, you know, especially the Autumn Open. And uh, yeah, it, he'll be for, forever the guy that I, I'm, I'm chasing, I think. Um, for bowling mentor, I have to I have to say Tom Stevenson for sure. Um, just super influential at the start of our bowling career. Um, he coached us nationals in Bantams. Uh, coached us the first two years of our juniors, and then and then took us or then then moved to Calgary for our last year of juniors in YBC. But he was. Uh, a phenomenal coach. He was a really, he was hard on us. He was really, really hard on us, but um, it certainly, it certainly opened our eyes to what uh, was needed to be, to be successful um, even at a, a really, really young age. So um, I remember, remember sitting down as Bantams and we'd have our, we'd have our practices for four steps um, we'd had them two to three times a week. And then before every one of those, we'd have a meeting in our party room and it was an hour meeting in the party room, just talking and talking about like what we needed to do and what to expect and whatnot. And, um, phenomenal. Uh, so, I, I mean, as we got through YBC and got into the adult ranks, we definitely added people like Lynn and, you know, uh, Gino, both of those people were really influential in getting us into the uh, the Wednesday match league, um, and that uh, that really springboarded us into into the adults. Uh, so I would probably say those three for sure. Uh, so Desher, yeah, Desher pr pretty much hit it right on the nose. Um, for many of you guys didn't know, Tom Stevenson was our coach growing up. So before Stevenson uh, moved down to Calgary, so. Tom was really good on, he was with us until 2000. Uh, but Tom was hard on us. And but in like in a loving way, we have a really good relationship now. I mean, yeah. I know how, you know, and uh, he still texts us and calls us after every tournament, you know, or and he still keeps in touch with us that way. So uh, we will forever have that bond. Uh, the other one that Desher missed was Jim Bradshaw. Bradshaw was really big with us growing up. Jim, if you guys don't know who he was, he was, uh, big in the Edmonton area, and uh, Jim was like everybody's grandpa, right? You can say, but yeah. he was phenomenal, and he's passed away since. Uh, but yeah, we, we we grew up with Lynn, and, and uh, we met Lynn while when we were like thirteen or fourteen. It's different when when Adam was talking about idols, right? And you have those people that you kind of look at and you kind of emulate. It, it's a little bit different for us, I think, because. Uh, Tom, we, we met Bruce and Lynn and Gino and all those guys when we were at Bantams and we're, we were totally agreeing. We didn't know who they were and in growing up with them, yeah, we, we looked up to them, but it was, it was a different thing because we already, I guess, when we were ready to compete, we already knew who they were. We were right? comfortable we with them. Comfortable with them, right? So, yeah. Uh, it was a different sort of relationship. Super fortunate in that aspect in life and that's why... I really try to push all the kids in, into these events and get them because we were fortunate to do it 
it's a good way of doing it. I know uh, Matt got us into Schultz into the Wednesday night league when we were both 13, Spanish or Park before we moved to Bonnie Dune. Um, yeah, I, you know, and we're fortunate with, with Saskatoon Bowling School and everything else like that. But I, I don't know, like, I, I guess maybe when I was getting better as I was growing up, like maybe 16, 17, I really probably looked, I don't want his head had the balloon but i mean other than bruce and lynn and gina would be mark johnstone because johnny was really good at that point um in, in the city and he was a little bit our age a little bit young you know younger and you can kind of idolize him like that um of course matt was really good too so those are i guess my answers um mine's probably gonna differ quite a bit coming from a smaller community um we didn't have i guess those those influences Mine was kind of in stages. So my parents first got me into bowling. They were part of Friday night jackpot bowling and stuff like that. So we are always at the lanes when I was younger. I didn't start bowling till I think my last year of juniors it would have been. My mom got me into bowling and introduced me to Robert Gallagher. Um, obviously, I knew him before that, but he was a coach at the time as well. So my mom and Robert were coaches on that Monday um, after school YBC program. So that's how I got introduced into it. And I looked up to my mom. She was a 230 player back then, which was pretty decent in that small center. Um, and then going through YBC, I kind of followed Mark Johnstone. He was a year or two ahead of me, I do believe. I think we're two years apart. Um, so I looked up to him because he was the one going to nationals. He was the one making all the provincial stuff before I even knew what that was. And then when I got to the end of my senior level, I had a few experiences at Provincials, um, obviously through Youth Challenge and a couple instances through Four Steps. And then uh, Gino was my next mentor. Took us, me into Masters and then kind of from there. Um, those, I guess, would be the mentors through my early bowling career. Obviously now it's gotta be Adam Weber. <laughs> <laughs> There. Doubt, Here's your doubt, <laughs> doubt. Very doubtful. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, favorite tournament, Adam? Uh, it, definitely a toss-up. Um, I, I love the Autumn Open. I, I always have, always loved the format. Uh, but there, there's something about the Open Nationals that uh, I, I love getting there. I love competing in it. I Obviously, I've had lots of success there, which I'm sure kind of makes it uh, uh, my, my favorite there. But uh, definitely those two events, you know, fortunate enough to, to take down the TPC uh, a couple of years back, uh, which was really special kind of hometown at that point as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the autumn. I, I can't wait for a couple of weeks here. Uh, similar sort of thing. Uh, TPC will always be my favorite. And, not just because we host it now. Uh, I mean, my first win when I was, I still think I'm, I'm the youngest TPC winner. If you don't count Rose Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Well, a TPC is a TPC. It's a different tournament, but anyways, uh, I was what? 23. I think it was 23 when I won. So, um, that, uh, I've always really loved TPC and I loved Collingwood. Uh, it was one of my favorite places to bowl. So, um, TPC will always be my favorite for the cash side of it. But I agree with Adam. I absolutely love the Open uh, Provincials and Nationals. I love it all. Uh, gotten to go to Nationals, you know, a few times in, in both the Open and Masters. But 
I I just love the pulls. I absolutely love having that that in a in the game. I think it's unique. I think it's different. Uh, I think all you know what all the major sports have something like that. You you see hockey, you know, you you switch shifts. Um, <laughs> you know, you you pinch run in in baseball, like you know. Stuff like I, I think it's I think it's neat. It's my favorite. People get so nervous with getting pulled. I'm never nervous about being pulled. If I'm crappy, get me out of there. I don't care. Um, so uh, I uh, yeah, big big fan of the open. Well, I would say my on the cash tour side or tournament side on that aspect, uh, I absolutely love the autumn open, and I, I will say that I just not because I won it. I had really good success there. But I've always enjoyed the 40s. I, I, I don't know. There's something about, like, yeah, you qualify, sure. But when you hit the 40s and you play in the 16s, I just love, like, I don't know. I just I just love making this, this just that feeling, right, making the 16s. It feels like an accomplishment. And uh, it's kind of sort of like when you make the 16s, you're kind of part of that club that year. You feel like you're an exclusive club, right? And, you, um, and close second is I absolutely love Heritage. One, I just love the format there. Um, I'm not one to have huge scores. I think I'm more consistent across the board, and I, I've struggled, I guess you can say, with the TPC format and the Regina Classic format, only because you know I uh, I can shoot 750s or 800s. I sometimes I get unlucky and I shoot 880 to lose to a 900, and it is what it is with that. With, with these other formats, I feel like I can compete across the board a little bit better that way. Um, so that that's why I like that. Uh, honestly, I, I probably think that re, nothing against Regina. I think they do a great job. Regina is probably my least favorite on tour. Um, I enjoy TPC uh, minus the lack of sleep with everything going on that weekend. Um, and I guess I sleep in my own bed that way. But uh, I yeah, probably Calgary and then Red Deer for sure. Uh, when it comes to the other events, I love Open. Like Dexter said, I love the polls. I love. I love that aspect. I love the I love the nationals when it comes to that. Um, I don't know. I just I just like it. Obviously, uh, I can't really speak much of my masters experience because uh, with team wise, I only had one team, <laughs> right? And uh, and I just I just feel like you know what I uh, maybe didn't contribute the way I should have to maybe get the full experience, um, or maybe somebody else on my team didn't help that. But anyways, um, but I. I like the I like the open portion too because you know I just I feel with the open maybe especially the teams I've been on you can flip flop anybody in that order I find and I think Masters is it's pretty stagnant sometimes I think watching it I mean I can't really speak on that but most times or not you sort of have your position as bowlers what I've seen um, I've, I've watched a lot lately so <laughs> um, that's just me personally um, yeah so that's I guess my own answer there. Yeah. Um, for I guess WCBT or Cash Tour, mine is Regina, um, and main reason is because I won it. That was my first win. Um, other than that, because I'm an Alberta guy, all the Alberta guys go to Regina. They all hang out. Nobody goes home to sleep in their own bed. Nobody ditches out after <laughs> qualifying shift. They all hang out at the rack and do stuff like that. So. I find it as a more overall experience. Everybody's there to hang out, and I just like the atmosphere better that way. Um, don't get me wrong. I love all the tournaments, but for those reasons, Regina would be my favorite. And between Masters and Open, Masters is my favorite. Um, I don't like – well, 
No, that's not true. I think the open format is neat. The pull is cool. It gives you a different aspect to the game. But I don't like the idea of a safety net. I like you're stuck in the match. You grind it out. Doesn't matter how bad you are. Figure your life out because you have to help the team. You just can't get yanked in the third frame and hope whoever comes in bails you out. So for that Mm -hmm. reason, I like the pressure. I like that aspect of it. And yeah. I think everybody my, has valid points what why they have favorites, and that's just my opinion on it. No, and I, I respect you. I, agree, I completely agree with what you're saying there. I, I can see that portion of the Masters being that way. Um, we talked about coaching how long ago in a podcast. I think open coaching is more important than master coaching, I think. Yeah. yeah. So there's that aspect there, and I think, honestly, and Kara, you've been on teams. I, I'm not going to say the name on the open bowler, but there's certain ones on your team that I think if you're the sixth bowler and you're not a team, it really affects the team more than I think in a five-player game. Yeah, that has yeah. a lot to do with zone size too, right? Like, it, it, let's be fair. Coming out of the Edmonton zone, like you said, anybody can play in any position. Well, you, you're a lot deeper across the whole board, right? Yeah. Um, coming from Central, yeah, we have a lot of good players, but our depth nearly isn't there. So if somebody has a good weekend to squeak into the qualifying, and then the team really rides at Provincials, you can get the Nationals with a player that may not be very comfortable with that atmosphere. And like you said, Tim, they may not be a good fit, but that's the good thing about the Open. Those people get those Mm -hmm. chances to go to Nationals, where Masters, they may never get that option. So there there is definitely a good side to both, right? And and that's why I do like the Open. It just, for... Mm -hmm. Me, personalized, the pressure and everything, it's just not the same as the Masters. But I, uh, no, I, I've I done my, my competitive sport for, well, <laughs> I, I did the course, and I haven't completed it to be fully certified, but I'm telling you, like, between the two, I am looking forward to the day I get an opportunity to coach the Open. Because I, I sit there and I think the game nonstop, um, I love, I love the whole concept of it. I love the team management. I love the strategies. I love all of it. It just feels like a giant chess game. And to me, it excites me to think about coaching that one day. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, I sure. don't have to anytime soon. Yeah. It, it's but. definitely original and yeah, like the, the pull makes it pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. just, yeah. do you guys, do you guys find you're comfortable in one of those uh, nationals more than the other or more more relaxed on the, the team atmosphere or anything like that no i i can't really say because like carrie knows my team experience it wasn't necessarily he, it, it he just, was not it, comfortable at masters i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> no i you know what and, that, and that's completely probably fair carrie like when, when i was when we played masters it was a totally different experience i mean yeah, we played. I played teams before nationals. It's but that being said, I think confidence level on a masters. It's silly as it sounds on a master team. At least that one. I mean, hopefully, I make another one. I can give you a better experience and better maybe answer. But on that one, I didn't have the confidence maybe as I should because uh, in, in Edmonton it's silly because we played for the Open this year. We had. Just how the team set up, for example, is that we not saying that I'm one of the best in Edmonton, but they expect you, you to be around a lot more, right? Right? So I think um, 
Yeah. Anyways, but, but on our team at Adam, me, Bradley, and Dex, and nothing against Michael or, or Curtis, but Lynn already had, gave us the confidence that we're going to be his horses because we have experience, right? So you know you're got a little bit more leeway and a little bit more play to work with it. With the Masters, yeah, you know what? I, I, I didn't – I had way more leeway in play because I wasn't getting pulled, <laughs> but maybe I needed – feel like uh you know feel like a big shot on that team in order to, to play better i think i don't know i just i really struggled that weekend yeah and, so but you gotta look at it too you're a rookie it, it, i know you played nationals on teams before but you're at a masters national as a rookie you needed to embrace that and i don't think like you did at the the special events or the rookie night yeah. and stuff like that but on the lanes i don't think you really did i think you're you're worried about what everybody was thinking you're a rookie. Go th- go throw the ball. You mm-hmm. everybody knows you can play. You're at you're at a Masters. You don't need to yeah. prove anything. But yeah. that that was your experience, and I hope you have a better one next time. And I hope I'm on that team because yeah. you owe me one. So <laughs> I owe a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I almost feel like Masters is there. There's almost too much downtime, and I, I I find that just the whole experience is just way more relaxed than the open and you know they you go throw your your six seven games or whatever in a day and or six yes what six games or whatever six and then all games, of a sudden yeah. now you got like what 12 hours to go waste <laughs> type thing whereas you know the the open i i, I just find it's it, there's a little more busyness to it there's a little more heat on you to stay in the match because there is that pull factor uh i, I don't know there, there's there's something about the open that that i just i love more than masters but let, let it, write, i'm, I'm uh, sure it succeed right success right let me write masters nationals and see if i can get them to so you can play singles and team two and then come back and talk to us because there's there's the only reason why there was way more downtime is you played both yeah no it's not not my first uh, open nationals but like it's uh no i know but the, the schedule is relatively similar for you're talking wise. to a hall of famer dexter but but there's still like two extra games a day in in the open or one extra game minimum a day for the open which is an extra hour and a half of, of heat right it's there's, there's a lot more teams too right there's oh. 11 yeah oh how yeah way, many, way more teams how many games do we play at nationals for c5 21 play, i think 21 over one one less day okay so that's what it is is one less right because one less day because yeah. we do a step ladder on the day on the fourth day where you guys do three games instead right i Adam, you know what the other thing is too? I and maybe maybe I could be wrong and I'm misstepping here. And this is just a generalized statement. Alberta, when we go and Ontario, probably feels the same way. Is that we we get, we're lucky with all these funds and we get a we go get pay, we don't have to pay for our own way there, right? And I think that we're expected to come back with a medal, right? And we, it's more of a job. It's more of a. It's not a. It's sometimes not a vacation. I find sometimes. Because if you go back and you come back with a fourth place finish, or you don't make the step ladder, right, or you don't medal at the Masters Nationals, you're going to be ridiculed at home, right? I I really feel that way. I feel like when you're talking about the pressures on, there think, is that pressure. You think at a Masters Nationals, there's more pressure to come home with a medal than there is at the Open National? No, both. Both. I'm saying just in general. I'm just a generalized statement. Alberta, like it just. I feel like when Adam's talking about like. Just in, when he's saying that you know we have we have it's more of a I don't know it just there's more pressure for I think I think other other people have more enjoyment 
I think, over bowling when they go to a nationals outside our province, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And I only reason why I say that is there's more, I've thought about is there's more provinces, for example, like PEI goes, you know, and all those other people, but they go there and they enjoy themselves. Right. They, they go there a couple days early. They make it a vacation. They're paying their own way. They, they're fortunate. They, that's, that's their thing. Right. And I think we're too geared for results. I think that's right. A, that's a, personal thought process more it, than it, a, it, it, is, it, it is a personal thought process yeah yeah because yeah i don't know i've enjoyed every national i've been to and mm-hmm. i wouldn't say i enjoyed the extra time on lanes at the open over my free time at the masters i took it as a national i went and yeah. talked to people i hung out with people i did all the stuff that i think those national events are designed to do they're designed to introduce everybody to in the evening events and have have fun with everybody the bowling is almost it's not definitely not secondary but it it's almost equal to what you're there to hang out and socialize with the rest of the country right um it's obviously a bonus to come home with a medal and there's always pressure it's the pressure you put on yourself too um yeah, the, the, yeah, more more of the pressure and the heat that I'm, I'm talking about is more in that match where if you are struggling, uh, right? You have that extra little heat to kind of find your game in the immediate, or you are going to get pulled at, at an open national, right? That yeah. that's the type of heat I'm thinking about. Not necessarily okay, we you got to go. You better come back with a medal, or you're going to get ridiculed. All that. So I I, I kind of understand your point there, Timmy, because yeah. yeah, well, hell, we talk ourselves up more than anybody, right? Uh, as provinces that are out there and you know we 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 have very high expectations uh i i think more for maybe western canada with the the tour events and uh alberta with uh you know the the open provincials which are literally three complete days of bowling i i think we're just geared towards literally playing all day in an event Right. And, and so you get to, to a nationals and, you know, open nationals, I, I think there's a, definitely more downtime. Uh, but I, I find there's almost too much downtime at a master's nationals. Yeah. Or we, we, it's almost too relaxed, right? We, uh, we tend to treat bowling as very much a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Sorry. That's exactly what I meant. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Like nationals, there is more downtime. I almost, I guess you could look at it like, it's more streamlined. It doesn't seem as hectic, even though sometimes transportation can be very hectic out of Masters Nationals. But it just seems like it. this is set. You're only bowling so much in this day. And then we got all this other stuff planned after maybe a Blue Jays game if you're in Hamilton or something else this way, right? Um, yeah, I, I definitely see your side of it because, yeah, the Open is, is definitely bowling forward just because – there's more teams out there and stuff like that. There's a lot more people there in your division, I guess, because obviously Masters has seniors and teaching and all that good stuff too. But I think we beat that like a dead horse. Um, <laughs> so uh, what's in your guys' bowling bags? What's in your arsenal, Adam? <laughs> well, uh, I throw four and seven eights and slightly more than three eights at uh, Starlines. Yeah, it was like <laughs> three I, I, eight and a half. Well, at least I, I had mine weighed and, and all that stuff, right, Tim? So, uh, not the tour finals. Spoiler well, they, alert. They, they didn't ask. 
<laughs> uh, you're the gold. You're the golden child. I get it. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I think they weighed like three people's bowling balls. Literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I do have a set of uh, set of reactive use. Uh, I don't know why I have them in the bag. I'll I'll never bring them out. Um, I think they're there as more like a safety net, just in case you know you need to change something. Uh, I think I, I've gone to the to the point where all of a sudden I'll start thinking about changing the ball and then all of a sudden my game gets better. So I don't know. It's uh, something a little bit weird there. I've, I've always been throwing the same star lines uh, for shoes uh, this year. Uh, I think I'm playing, what are they? SST six uh, boas, uh, some real weird, like gray and red color scheme. Cause space shoes. Yeah. Because I, I ordered those through somebody and I didn't get what I wanted, so I kept them. Um, yeah, that, that's basically the the main arsenal. <laughs> They've done you well so far. <laughs> I had to end up throwing out my shoes at Open Nationals at the end of Open Nationals because those three Gs were literally falling apart uh, through the last day and a half with uh, Bradley Tipcat's uh, left slider. And uh, that that turned out okay as well. So I, I think I own a beer or two still. You don't. It's in the mail. <laughs> um, I have like an endless supply of bowling balls, uh, but I've kind of stuck to what's three. in the bag. Yeah, the the, the well, it changes every tournament. I'll, I'll bring different taking, ones. What are you taking to the autumn open? Okay, so the, what I've been throwing most consistently lately is an old set of Cyclones. Um, the purple ones, uh, they're awesome. They're Jerry Budnick's old bowling balls. Um, they're great. They're a urethane ball that has, like, a really good grip, and I, I just love them. Uh, four and seven, eight, three, eight for those. Um, I'll probably bring down a four and seven, eight, three, eight Starline. And probably a five-inch three-eight star line uh, down to, and then um, I'll definitely probably bring. I ordered a set of Manhattans. Uh, I'll bring those down. They're a, a much more rubbery ball, but uh, they don't move as much as the soft rolls. They don't grab the band as much as the soft rolls, but I still seem to have the same grip as the soft rolls. So um, I'm going to bring those down. I think those are four and seven-inch three-nine, and then uh, I might bring down. <laughs> I want a hardball to bring down too, so it's going to be an Olympic. But I think I'm going to bring down my orange Comanche. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to bring. Um, how, how big's your bag? That was six balls. <laughs> Come on, man, it's on wheels. I don't know. I heard like four sets, five sets. <laughs> oh, of stuff going okay, down. Yeah, individual <laughs> balls. Come on. Hey, you don't. You, you, need, you don't need two bowling balls, Adam. That's you, you lost me after you said the first set. Oh, you've been lost since the day you were born. <laughs> also true. <laughs> uh, shoes are uh, Storms. Uh, I can't even remember what they're actually called, but they're the equivalent of like an SST8. Um, Storm is a uh, sister company of Dexter, so um, all the same technology. Uh, just I just like the color scheme better. So uh, a set of white Storms. Um They've done me really good so far. I had the 3Gs forever. I loved the 3Gs, but the right foot is so slippery. Um, so it was nice to flip over to these ones and have some like good traction for my push away. Although uh, 
that whole thing ripped up last week so i've got a new traction thing this week so i'm quite excited <laughs> about that but yeah that's what it's going to be next week perfect and the all week right. after so uh carrie you have my specs did you weighed all my bowling balls no i threw it away of course um just way to be a bully um so i have a four and seven eight three seven well i think it's four and seven eight i don't know but uh three seven uh olympics uh my old blue and white ones i've been throwing since 97 and um i also have a pair of hard rolls in my bag so i have a, a yellow and a red one they're four and seven eight three eight and I also carry a Starline, uh, 47838, and I carry a Manhattan as well. But I believe if we measured it, Carrie, I think it's 5 inch 36. I think it's 5 inch 36. What and, a weird uh, combo. Yeah, it's whatever. And, and that, that Manhattan is like extra grippy too. Yeah. 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 So it's been reworked. I got it from Damien McDonald. I did it. Uh, Swap some stuff in the back of a, a car in a parking lot, so that's how I got those. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I had uh, my shoes uh, broken several times. Is my SSD tanks? I'm gonna look to replace those. I don't I think don't... when they made those shoes, they were anticipating your body type. Actually, I actually talked to Shelby. <laughs> Shelby had the same set, and he's like, "Well, why haven't yours broken?" He said, "Well, I'm not a fat ass, so." <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I actually carry, I actually carry two of the same shoe because I got them replaced a couple times. So one's less broken than the other. So just in case a really broken one that's worn in, I have another one that's less broken I can use. So until I go over to my, uh, get my custom shoes done, I think. So that's in my bag. Cool. Um, so I'll be taking to Autumn Open. All my bowling balls that I'll be taking are all five inch, but different weights. So I think my star... Or sorry, soft rolls are three twelves. My star lines are three nine to three eight, and my Manhattans are three seven. And I think that's all I'll be bringing: star lines, soft rolls, and the Manhattans. Because I found the Manhattans definitely don't move nearly as much as my soft rolls do, which I kind of expected they would, because I happened to throw Tim's Manhattan um, last year at a Masters. And that ball seemed like it moved a lot more, but these ones don't seem to move as much, but they're definitely grippy and uh, they come out of the hand good. So that'll be what I'm taking. And for shoes, I have a pair of custom shoes. They're just Airwalks with Dexter sliders on them. Um, but I found, especially playing at Sherwood Park in league the last few weeks, that doesn't matter what brake I put on it it's still not heavy enough so i've actually gone back to my sst tanks they are split but i'm not a fat ass oh. so i don't know how that works but... <laughs> hey you, you said you said julie's making banana bread for you right now <laughs> yeah, <true enough. laughs> uh yeah so i'll probably be taking the sst tanks down to the autumn open but i'll bring the custom shoes just in case but um yeah so i may be in the market for new dexter sst's because those custom shoes, yeah. as nice and as comfortable as they are, just, I don't know. I find the Dexter is just a lot more a lot more uh, reliable when it comes to finding a slide or making a small adjustment and finding what I need. But 
if you're looking for somebody to uh, sell you some shoes, I'll sell you the different pair that works out just fine. You can right. order like an SST. We'll get you the SST six Boas. You know, <laughs> straight up space shoes <laughs> on special for regular price. <laughs> Yeah. At least they got here in a week. <laughs> then fast. I didn't. Yeah. Then I didn't use them for like three months. So, yeah. <laughs> so Adam, you had a a question that you wanted to bring up, or a topic. Well, it's, I guess the both. I guess both the the western you know side of the world here as well as eastern. We've got a couple big tournaments coming up uh, over the next uh, couple weeks, and. Uh, not everybody has a whole ton of stuff in their bag, uh, but I, I kind of wanted to, to open up the, the floor and just kind of get your thoughts on, you know, certain things that every competitive bowler should have in their bag going to any of these type of tour events. Uh, obviously, everybody knows the balls, the, the, the shoes, all that type of stuff, you know, towels. Um, but what are some of the, the other things that, uh, that you guys swear by that, that you need to have you know, in your bowling bag or extras just in case. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'll go first. I'll replace Adam as the first one this time. Wow, you're going out of order. Any what? banana breads ready? <clears throat> no, that, <laughs> that beeping was not my beeping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, a towel to wipe the bowling ball. Um, extra pair of socks. Because if you're two shifting at a tournament, you should put on a new pair of socks. You stinky. <clears throat> um, and Adam has pointed out lately. I know it wasn't a rosin bag, but a, a puffball or a rosin bag would probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, in winter, it's not such a bad. But when you're going playing nationals, maybe it might be a good idea to get some extra grip. Um, what else do I have in my bag? Oh, um, it's like a scuff pad to mark up my slider and my heel. Because uh, with the synthetic lanes and stuff like that, you get a bunch of crud on the bottom of your slider pretty quick. Blackens it and makes it extra slick pretty fast. Or like a wire brush or, yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. I have a wire brush in my bag. And lots of KT tape for my shoulder. But I don't know if every bowler needs that or not. <laughs> I pretty much carry none of that stuff. <laughs> but i might i might consider the rosin bag or the, the puffball bag uh here soon um nail clippers i think nail clippers are like a super important one uh you know you start playing like 30 games in a weekend and you start ripping nails and stuff and that does get to be a pain in the butt so nail clippers are handy um i used to carry a rule book but there's no points anymore <laughs> Because I know it inside and out. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> hey, er er Ernie's wondering if you have anything, Dexter. Uh, actually, I, I did have somebody like message in, but uh, we'll wait for a different day for that. Um, I, coins. I have like like two or three specific coins because I don't carry a lot of change with me ever, but they're just like unique coins. But uh, I use them for coin flips certain things like that uh but other than that i think oh advil and i know uh, like i i did carry biofreeze when i went to a couple of these tournaments but 
Uh, none of it was actually for me. It was for Adam, so I didn't have to stretch him out. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to add one more thing. Liquid Band-Aid. That's what I have, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you had your turn. We're, we're <laughs> going around the Sorry. horn now. I should have brought right. my bowling hey, bag down hey, so let, I could have looked through it. Hey, let somebody else kind of you know, take the, Fine. okay. That now Tim has nothing show, to say. Whatever. <laughs> no, I have plenty. <laughs> okay, so, so let's bag, hear all your superstitious stuff. Okay, no, in my bag, I have towels, obviously, that I never used, uh, <laughs> but I have them. I have plenty of socks, usually like three or four pairs, because I am super, super bad with that. I actually carry an extra pair of underwear, because if I get a little swasky, I can do a little change. That's something you guys maybe should have to look into, especially Adam, who bowls a lot. Um, I have nail clippers in my bag. I have Icy Hot, like the roller Adam got me in. That's been phenomenal. Uh, I have new skin in my bag. I have Advil. Uh, as you know, as soon as I turned 30, I started becoming more looking after my body. So uh, I also have uh, shoe covers. I, I have them. I think they're useless, but I still have them in my bag. Uh, I have a wire brush. I have chalk. I find chalk's really good as well. Just that little piece of chalk. And I have a corpious amount of sliders and heels, enough to have a, for a distributor. So, Could I you have... please uh, give us the definition of corpious? <laughs> Copious. Copious. No yes. more. <laughs> so I have, I have every heel and slider known by a man. In the bag. So that's what's in my bag. I, I got a couple of unique ones here that uh, that I think are actually really important. Um, chalk, chalk as well. Uh, puff ball, which is really good. Uh, extra deodorant, especially I do, in yeah. those really, really long. Uh, I also have, uh, it's like a body glide stick. It's like a Teflon type stick, uh, which uh, definitely helps in those long tournaments, um, especially with... Uh, like the, the, the chafing around the armpits of the, some of the, the tour shirts that are out there. Uh, wire, wire, wire brush is really important. Uh, yeah, nail clippers. To, uh, I don't know how many times I've had to, to actually clip during. Um, a, a pair of scissors uh, for, you know, if, if, if you have any, um, uh, for, for, for me anyways, I, I've got uh, like the, the big, uh, sliders uh, from, from Dexter that you can kind of cut down and do all that stuff. Um, extra shoelaces is really, really important. Uh, I've seen a couple of people uh, blow out their shoelaces uh, at tournaments and uh, have to, to go after uh, somebody else to get those. Uh, Advil Tylenol um, contact solution or extra contacts for, for those who, who need them uh, or glass cleaners, something like that. Uh, one that I ended up using uh, down in Lethbridge once. Uh, I, I can't remember who gave it to me, but I still have a golf ball uh, in my bag. Uh, I had like it was like a plantar fasciitis like hit during one of my matches, and in between every single ball uh, or every single frame, I'd go back and just roll it out just so I could actually get through uh, that that particular match, uh, or like a lacrosse ball or, or something like that to. to roll out some of those uh those things um and then yeah the, lots lots of socks maybe an extra sh uh, shirt or something like that in, in some of those tour events as well i like how adam complained how how big dexter's bag is but i'm pretty sure adam's is bigger 
just all the extra stuff he brings. <laughs> yeah, he carries two less balls, but he carries a pharmacy with him. <laughs> yeah, I've also got. Uh, <laughs> Still going. <laughs> I'd also recommend like like snack, some sort of like snacks or something. Oh. Uh, Way to support the center when, when you're in there. <laughs> yeah, most centers don't actually like have anything good for you. As long so. as you don't bring Dr. Pepper or Red Bull in, we're okay. So uh, we'll move on to one of the other questions. So this one's from Chelsea Ely. How little tournaments like an eight-game scratch slash POA can feed big tournaments with bowlers and pull them through the ranks? How each one of you started into the tournaments? Um, oh, I guess it's multiple questions. So how do you feel about uh, little POA and scratch tournaments? Do you feel that they feed the bigger tournaments, or how do you feel about them? Honestly, I'm not sure how many of you know the POA side of the tournaments really feed into you know WCBT tour events, uh, but I do see you know some of the, the the satellite type events like TPC has, uh, which offers up you know a POA side to their satellites to to get in you know automatic entry into you know those main events, uh, uh, which I I think is a, a wonderful idea because uh, most of the scratch guys are probably playing anyways, so now you're giving somebody else a fair shake at a, at a satellite at a cheaper option. Um, I know you know back in the day. You know, the CBCs, TSMs had all their house rounds, um, which, you know, then had the opportunity to, 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 I think, buy in directly as well, I think, for TSMs. But, you know, having some of those little feeder type tournaments, I, I, I think there's plenty to be had out there if, if people really wanted to, to, to run them. And, and you know, the, those terms have to feed the other tournaments uh, for, for it to actually work. So, yeah, I think that's kind of a cool concept if those eight-game scratch tournaments or POA tournaments did something like that, where maybe their top few qualifiers get an entry into one of these big events or if they want to collaborate or something that reason. But a lot of the smaller tournaments around, especially Central Alberta and Northern Alberta, is that they're no-tap tournaments. They're not true scratch tournaments, right? So... I don't know how much those those tournaments really have any effect on the big tournaments. They're they run mm. their own separate things. They're in, usually in smaller communities, um, especially in Alberta. It takes an hour to get to one of these small centers from the bigger centers. I don't know if they actually feed into the bigger ones at all. I'll, I'll uh, I think yes and no. I think depending on what demographic you're looking at. I think. It's at least in Alberta, it's very clicky when it, I'm not clicky, but very like people are very oriented the same way, right? So people who play Vermilion or Rocky or uh, Bakerville will always travel together, it seems like. But they'll also be feeding into maybe something like the interprovincials or the teaching masters. They're kind of all the same group. <clears throat> With uh, the satellites, I find that it, it does help the five games i think especially that you get the casual bowlers like like a ben angus or like a edward facey who's qualified with it before that maybe never played and they end up partaking in it right um i think the biggest thing is probably experience that's if you're if you're a brand new bowler or you're nervous about playing something maybe go to one of these events get the experience feel comfortable in your own shoes 
and uh, I think it would be easier to, to maybe try the tour or the open or the masters or something else that, you, you know, you might not feel comfortable with, but you have some experience with it. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go into the, like, I, I think pretty much you guys have nailed the first part of that question. I'll, I'll just get into the second part of the question there. Um, how each of you started into tournaments what what was the one tournament that just ignited the passion of hooked you? Um, we started. Well, I, yeah, we started playing uh, cash tournaments when we were what, fifteen. Tim, how many first, years? Your first year TPC. And yeah. Only how many years are we at now? <laughs> I think I think we're fourteen. I think we're fourteen when we played. Okay. So okay. So we were fourteen. Okay. So um, that maybe fifteen. Yeah, it was either fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> um either way that that's kind of what started the whole cash tournament side i think and it was just it was this new tournament i mean honestly i don't even remember hearing about the rose bowl uh because i was young and uh and but the tbc was around and we had just gotten into uh wednesday match and uh we started hearing about this tournament so it was something new and and exciting to get into so we, we got into that with um, some help from sponsorship. Uh, we had one of our um, local bowlers who uh, was also proprietor for a tanning salon, uh, Paul Napcho. Um, so he uh, he sponsored us, and we got to play in that. So that that really uh, that really started that whole side of our career. Um, as for like the the adult tournaments themselves, I mean, I, I really think Youth Challenge really probably played a big role in it. Um, it was just so fun being on those sort of teams at provincials, um, and it was sort of based on what the open would be. And I was fortunate enough that my first year out of YBC, I I got to play in provincials, um, and then got to meet everybody. And as soon, as soon as you get to do that, as soon as you get to go down to provincials, meet everybody, get to party with some people, um, you know, learn learn the uh, the atmosphere that's involved with it. It's it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to ignore it after, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think honestly, the cash tournament thing wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. I said before in previous podcasts, I wasn't. It wasn't for Dex dragging me out there. I, I thought, well, well, because he was doing. Mom made me do it, and kind of how we kind of worked on things on that. But uh, you challenge. I think you challenge is big with us. Uh, getting us into these things. Uh, a little bit different in Edmonton. We actually didn't bowl our first year eligible because we didn't even know anything about it. I had no idea um, whether it's maybe my YBC coordinator or the Five Pin Association at that time. Nobody passing information across. Mom saw it because she worked at the at the bowling alley, and uh, she said, "Just signed you up. You're going to bowl." No idea how anything worked or anything like that. And I think we're at Plaza playing, and I end up doing half decent. And Mom's like. I think you made the mix team. I was like, oh, okay. Had no idea what was going on. I just bowled. And uh, and then after that, we got hooked. I got hooked from it. So that's how I kind of started that way. It wasn't even forceps. We won forceps nationals. And I think that got me hooked more than uh, the U Challenge got me hooked more than forceps. Um, as for myself, it would be my first open would be I happened to qualify in the ninth spot, right? They took nine, yeah. Uh, and beat out Darby Crest 
knocked him off the mixed team and Shelby was on the men's team and I know they weren't very happy that that had happened because I was brand new to the scene and um but after that Darby congratulated me and all all's in the past now um and it was Fort McMurray I think where provincials were at pretty neat to go up there um that center's long gone they had duck pin I do believe upstairs and 10 pin upstairs soft belly duck pin so pretty neat to make my first adult provincials and go play different bowling sports and it was pretty cool I, that's uh being introduced to those guys definitely that's what ignited my fire to keep playing keep trying to make those teams were you, were you men's team or mixed team mixed mixed i would have played you then <laughs> i don't i don't remember i don't remember at all uh our team was me mike tweedy gary barrett nancy Chervet, andrea levitt and kelly hutchinson rob hutchinson what? was our coach what year was that yeah. I think it was like oh oh three. Sure. Oh three. Okay. All I know is every oh yeah, that sounds right. Lethbridge is just a a great town to go play oh, for the open in. I would yeah oh three I think probably oh three. <laughs> yeah, there's I, always I, some good memories to Lethbridge. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember which year, but yeah, we had a really good team, and unfortunately, Nancy, that's the first time ever I she missed so many corner pins and and she notoriously leaves corner pins because she throws such a slow rolling ball but yeah she missed a lot of corners and that's the first time i ever seen her do that and she's never done it since so it was an anomaly hmm. yeah i guess for like the competitive side of bowling i uh, honestly i don't even think it was the event that i played in um you know the last week we had bruce on and uh, i still remember you know, scorekeeping for most of those guys as I was growing up. So I think that's kind of where the, the, the fire was there. And uh, I think, you know, my first, you know, time, you know, trying to play the event, I, I want to say it was like 97. Um, it was, would have been 17 type thing. I, I missed the cut. Uh, end up, I think I was tied for third in the consolation, which won my money back. So I was super thrilled but I had a chance to play against some of the guys I thought were the greats. And uh, then I, I can't remember the next cut I missed at the autumn. Um, after just having that experience and being able to play, it kind of lit that fire. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably the, the first real experience. It wasn't even me, me playing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I'll probably ask one more question and we'll probably wrap this podcast up. I know lots of people submitted questions. Um, we'll definitely get to them hopefully in the next podcast, or maybe we'll do something special for Patreon. If you guys aren't patrons of our Patreon page, please look it up at patreon.com slash five pin universe. Um, but a special congrats goes out to Al Paquette through a perfect game yesterday. Um, yeah. Videos on Pretty Facebook. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the 11th one was a little thick in the left pocket, but uh, the other two were bombs. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. So his question is, um, with the tournament season starting up, who are your picks for uh, the Autumn Open? Who's your pick for uh, Neb's Fun World's Club Tour? I'll go first. 
Uh, my pick would be Adam. Cause that's a safe pick, right? I don't know. I know. I know. And it, I, I do want to clarify um, the shirt behind me, 2016. He did not make the, the 16 cut, so he just a cut. He didn't make it the autumn open. Um, <laughs> so you, so you're welcome. <laughs> that 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 was a year before your retirement 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 um so i i think adam would be one um honestly i haven't really thought about it so uh i think adam uh, dark horse looking at the dark horse i don't know i you know what i think i think there's gonna be a point i think one of the gelardis win i think i just have a feeling that they're gonna they, they're pretty tough so that being said, for out east, uh, I honestly uh, follow a lot of things, and I think Mark Goulet. I think Mark is a really good player, and I think I took Kerry's answer, and that's exactly <laughs> why I wanted to go first. But I think I think Mark is a hell of a player. Um, yeah, that would be mine. Well, I know I can't pick myself no. for um, definitely hoping to play well, but uh, I I'm going to pick Ty. For, for the autumn, I, I think he's uh, I think he's due, um, especially in that type of format when you can really start you know roll into the fifteens, uh, you know get five or six really consistent games in a row and just just fly, um, and then you know for for the east there there's a couple guys that are on everybody's radars all the time type thing, um, one one guy I think's running a little hot these days is uh, Cody Laycox. I, I'm gonna pick Cody. That's fair. Solid. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a... There's like a hundred uh, players you can pick. Just throw a dart and just... Don't pick Lenny or don't pick Lonnie. That's all I would say. Neither of them are there, so that's a good call. <laughs> I don't know who's all going. I'm going to say... Uh, I was going to say Ty, but uh, right. since you picked him, screw that guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say Danny Bear. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know if it's going, but there or not, I'm gonna say Danny Bear. <laughs> nice. uh, Why wouldn't you pick Sarah? Um, it just it's just kind of crummy attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's your favorite too, right? So, uh, Danny is yes. Uh, <laughs> Out east, I'm gonna go with Robert McDougall because he can actually drink a bowl, and I think that that's gonna play really well for him. <laughs> can I change my pick for the autumn? Of course yeah. you can. <laughs> no, no, sorry, it's not not gonna be ten. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <no. laughs> uh, so, um. Yeah, there's so many good players. I'm going to go with the first-timer, just because um, Michael Wist. There's my yeah. pick. He's, he's bound to get one, yeah. And for Club Tour. Don't say it. No, I'm definitely not going to say Mitch Whew. Davies. Good. <laughs> Doug Brock is probably playing, isn't he? Yes, he is playing. Perfect. There's my pick. Actually, I have no idea. We putting anything on the line on this? 
Low man, low man has to buy us around. We do not support illegal gambling on this podcast. No, no, sir. This is legal gambling. (laughs) In that case, (laughs) all right. Lowest combined finish of our two players owes around to the podcast. On it, I'm actually, I'm actually feeling real good right now. Except you can't pick anybody on this podcast. So Tim, you have to change your autumn open pick. Oh no! You know we already did it. No. It's already live. No, no, that's that's fair. Okay, that pick Ty. You okay. can't pick Ty. Ty's already picked. You know, oh. Adam already changed it. Adam already changed oh. it. No, well, I ain't picking you. So Ty's no. still my number one. I'll take Brad. <laughs> Brad number two. <laughs> okay, I'll take I'll take Adam. What it goes here? against the whole thing. What is going on? No, I still I still got Ty. I still got Adam. You gotta, you gotta pick your original picks. That's fine. Whatever. That's fine. Wow. I'll just Around drive Adam off the road. Do, 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 do. Well, no, I, I might tank just to win a bet. Like you know this, right? <laughs> Adam, Adam, you need to play because you're not playing TPC. So uh, also true. Okay, also so, true. So Adam, last two games, if you're 400 sticks out, I better see a couple fouls going on because bets are on the line or beers are on the line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one is one. It doesn't matter how that works, right? <laughs> well, awesome, guys. Um, no. Thanks for answering all these questions. Obviously, there was a lot more questions, everybody. We will try and get to them. Like I said, maybe we'll do a Patreon thing. I don't believe we're going to have a podcast next week. It might be live at the Autumn Open. We might do a Facebook thing there. Um, if not, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Or you'll hear us in a couple weeks, I guess I should say. No, they should see us. Pay to see us, people. That's right. <laughs> if you want to watch a video of these silly podcasts and you want to see our ugly faces, patreon.com slash 5 Put a couple pucks in and you get to watch all the ones that we've recorded anyways. Put in corpious and- amounts of money. Corpious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. And Thank keep, you. Keep, and keep watching, liking, sharing all those tour videos, too. Yeah. Um, yep. obviously we just released the eighth episode. I think the WCBG just came out. Yeah. So there's three more. Oh man. Yes. My math is bad. Three Four. More. <laughs> no, it's, it is three. No, it's three. Yeah, it's three. There's 11 matches. Three when, more. Wednesday, Wednesday, Monday, or Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday. Yeah. So stay tuned people. <laughs>